Successful Performer Cast, Season 8, Episode 8. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. What's up, everybody? It's Friday again, and I wanted to welcome you to a fresh new episode of Successful Performer Cast. This week, we have pianist Tom Amin, who shares with us about his music career and how he's found success with it. He also talks about his brand new solo piano Star Wars album called Journey to the Stars, of which we're going to be giving away a copy to one of our lucky listeners. There will be a contest near the end of the episode telling you how you can enter to win, and I'm also going to play DJ and spin one of the songs from his new album at the end. Now, before we get to our talk, I'd also like to thank the sponsor for this show, and that is Manage Gigs, who helps you to keep track of all of your gigs online without having to resort to spreadsheets. Visit manageyourgigs.com today to check it out and to sign up for your free seven-day trial. Okay, let's get to that interview with Tom Amin. I am excited to welcome to the show pianist Tom Amin. Tom has played piano since he was 12 years old and has studied under acclaimed pianist James Tannenbaum at the Cleveland Institute of Music. He's gathered a wonderful following around Los Angeles, which has afforded him many opportunities to collaborate with some top names like Grammy-nominated artist Jim Brickman, performing on many of his albums. Tom even found himself playing as J.J. Abrams' personal pianist. He's recorded many albums with Canadian-based label Somerset Entertainment, some of which are Walmart exclusives. Others can be found at theme parks around the country. My favorites are his albums that he's put out, which contain music from the Disney theme parks, and these have charted on the on the Billboard Top 10. Now, probably the most exciting of, of all, Tom has just released his latest album, which is called Journey to the Stars, and this album features renditions of his favorite themes from the Star Wars movies. So, Tom Amin, I am super excited to have you as a guest on the Successful Performer Cast. Thank you for being here today. Chris, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. This is my first time here. Oh, man. Hey, you know, I, I, I can't say the same, but uh, I can say that <laughs> this is my first time having you on my show. And since I, I did mention uh, Disney, I'm, I'm a big Disney lover. lover. Nice. Uh, of all of my guests, you are certainly my most recent Oh, very cool. Uh, to, I like you know, this. <laughs> to crib a joke from the Jungle Cruise. Right, I, I exactly. thought you'd appreciate that. Uh-huh, <laughs> so, Tom, uh, the first thing we like to do is we like to start out with a little bit of inspiration. And okay. uh, I'd like to ask if you have a favorite success quote or a specific mantra that you like to live by. Oh, that's a good question. You know, the mantra I try to live by, and I, I'm not sure where this ever came from, but it's mm-hmm. the dream big. Just when that's so those simple two words to dream big, because for me, I think that what what that symbolizes is that uh, is a person's um, 
desire to want to reach for everything they want to in their life or career or in a relationship or whatever, whatever goals you have set for yourself. And I like when people say dream big, because a lot of times, and myself included, you know, mm-hmm. we just, we, we don't dream big. We think very inside our own boxes, you know? Yeah. And that happens to me all the time. And so when people say, don't, you know, dream bigger than that, dream big, it, it makes people excited. It makes me excited to think, well, what other possibilities can I have, you know, for what, for me, it's for my music or someone else might be for a relationship or whatever they want in life. So I just love that. That's the motto I kind of generally go by Mm -hmm. is dream big. And then also, of course, I've always loved Walt's quote. If you can dream it, you can do it. Yeah. Like that's that those two quote, like that's another great quote that of his, that I just, I've loved throughout the years. I just think it's, it's simple and it's yet it's so profound and so, appropriate you know it's just such a great quote right right absolutely so going back to to the first one the uh, mm-hmm. the dream big can you uh maybe pinpoint um an instance in your life or your career where maybe you weren't dreaming as big as you could have been and just uh remembering that helped to spur you on to something bigger you know i was i'm from cleveland ohio so that's okay. where i was raised i was born in new york but we moved to cleveland when i was like 5 years old mm-hmm. uh so i was raised there went to school there I, I went away to college briefly for a year and a half to a school in indiana but then i came back to cleveland and then i just started to work and i started to uh i took piano lessons from a, a piano instructor at the cleveland institute of music and he was very uh influential and kind of how I play today. It's like because of him and his pushing and what he trained me to do that I'm able to play. I feel Mm -hmm. uh, the style that I do today. But what was happening is I was making some good money, like decent money in Cleveland. I was able to support myself and have an apartment and all this good stuff. But I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe I can do something more than this. And, And I have to preface this by saying not that there's anything wrong with being a musician in Cleveland. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and I was making a lot of money and it's a really nice place to do that. But I was thinking, you know, I kind of want to go to the next level. Am I, am I holding myself back? You know? And I realized if I wanted to go to the next level that I wanted to in, for my life, I would have to move somewhere. I would have to move to a town that, that, that has uh, like music and entertainment is their main business or, mm-hmm. or a, a metropolitan area that, that has a lot of those opportunities. And I was, I was always really scared to move because, you know, I'm from uh, Mentor, Ohio, which is a nice community. It's about, it's pretty big. It's like a million people live there, but it's, it's a very nice, you know, Midwest town that's very comfortable to live in. And I I really liked it. So the thought of leaving that to go, because I knew I'd have to go to either New York or Los Angeles. And the thought of leaving that to go to leaving everything that I know. Mm-hmm. To go to one of these huge cities that's just so you just can't even comprehend it because it's so big and so in your mind you just you think oh my gosh I could never what am I going to do there you know <laughs> yeah and you make things bigger in your own mind too I mean you turn exactly molehills into mountains you know that's true that's true but I decided you know what I need to dream big I really need to do this and I decided to move to Los Angeles because my sister lived here. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was great. So at least I knew one person here <laughs> and it, it, it really, really helps. Mm-hmm. And I had met Jim Brickman, who was that, uh, re, you know, the, he's the famous pianist that, uh, 
uh, he's had many number one hits on smooth AC radio, and he's very well known in the piano world. And okay. He's from Cleveland as well. Oh, nice. And I had met him when I was in Cleveland, and he said, you should come out to L.A. because there's a lot more work there that you could be doing. I said, oh, okay. So he was kind of instrumental in helping me get out here as well. Um, so that's really – that was one of my biggest examples of Dream Big was, was moving from uh, Cleveland, Ohio to Los Angeles. Which was quite a move, let me tell you. I bet. Curse! I, uh, I was petrified for like a month. Like I was scared to drive because it's so big here, and the freeways are insane, and people are crazy. And you know, it just took me a, a while to adjust. But I'm glad that I did that because in that that moment of saying "Let's dream bigger," I've I've done so much, so many things here in LA that I don't think I could ever have done in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So it start it pays off, and I think it continues to pays off for. To, to pay off for me, but it's, you know, that was a big challenge for me. Now, h- how long have you been out here in LA? I've been in LA for a long time. I moved out in 1999. Okay. Okay. So I was 29 years old. So I was a little late moving out here, but I think that was a good age for me. I mean, I just thought it's a, it's a good age. You're not just some little young kid. You're a little bit more mature. Uh, so I, I'm glad I moved out when I did, but it was, I, I had to have that mentality of look, we've got to do this. You know, it's, this is the perfect time to move and to try to do the next level in your career. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finally pushed myself to do it. And and that's what happened. Okay. Now, is there a reason you picked uh, Los Angeles over New York? Well, I have, well, my sister lives here. So that was okay, one so, big thing. Right. She does live here. And I just felt I had come out to visit uh, a, a few months before I moved here. This was before I had any intention of moving here. My mom said, why don't you go out to California for a summer vacation, uh, go for a week and spend some time with your sister and, you know, just have fun. I said, mm. okay, because I hadn't been on a vacation in a couple of years. Yeah. So I went out to California and I fell in love with Los Angeles. I mean, I just fell in love with it. We went just to some of the the, the touristy spots, of course, but then... We went up to Getty Center, which is like a big art museum. Oh, yeah. I love uh, that. You know Getty, right? Oh, yeah. Because for people that don't live here, it's a big art museum on top of a mountain, like on top of a hill. But it's got great uh, views of the city. And, and when it's clear, you can actually see to the ocean down to Santa Monica. Oh, how cool. And it, it was just so beautiful. And then what I remember what made me decide we to move here. My sister took me out with some of her friends to dinner on – not right – like on the Sunset Strip, but it was right before like all the craziness of the Sunset Strip. It's like before the bar. It's like a restaurant area that that's that's right before all the bars and stuff start to happen. So okay. it wasn't in the heart of the Sunset Strip, but it's right. It was like right on Sunset, and it was like a, a, a like a little shopping center mall. But there are restaurants there, but it's all open air, of course. And you look down. You, you when you look down when you're coming out of the mall, you look down to Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And you just see all these people on the billboards and the houses. And I, I decided right then, Chris, I was like, I'm moving here. Like, that's, yeah. I remember that was my specific thing. I'm moving here because I just fell in love with the city. I felt like it was energetic and, and fun. And I knew there were would be opportunities here because of the entertainment business. So that's what made me pick L.A. over New York. New York always scares me. See, that's the thing. Like, New York <laughs> is a scary, scary place to me. Right. LA, uh, Los Angeles is different because you can find a lot of very suburban places. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, you can live in LA without living in LA and all the crazy That's true. that comes with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's true. It and it doesn't have that big city feel in the way that you're 
there's people everywhere all the time and you can't escape and and that kind of thing. Like, I don't know if I could survive in New York. I don't know. I, I just don't know if I could do it. <laughs> right. Plus yeah. the weather out here is really nice. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I can't argue with the weather. We could use a little bit more rain, but I yes, mean, that's about all the uh, arguing that you can really do about the weather. That's true. I <clears> so. agree. All right. So now, initially, I mean, you, you've been playing piano since you were you're 12. What made you think that you wanted to do this as a career? And how did you start making that a reality for yourself? Well, I started, like you said, I started on piano. I was about 12 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, I fell in love with it as soon as I started to play. I, it started on guitar, actually. Oh, okay. And I really liked the guitar. And we had a piano in the house because my uh, younger sister was learning at the time. Mm -hmm. And we had went, you know, the, the, the bios on my website, a lot of people know this by now, but we went and saw Superman 2, uh, the Christopher Reeve movie. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love. I heard that that soundtrack i heard the theme to superman and i just fell in love with it that i remember that was the first time i really really heard music you know okay. i was like oh my gosh what is that and i started to go home i went home we went home after the movie and i just started to play it on the piano i was like sounding it out you know right the chords and everything and my mom said how are you doing that i said well i can kind of hear the, i can see the music in my head and i knew some of the chords because i had taken guitar so i, I knew basic chord structures and mm -hmm. Stuff like that, but I just started playing the piano and I loved it. So, all throughout high school, I was taking lessons. Uh, from that, in your uh, introduction, you mentioned Jim Tannenbaum. He was mm -hmm. very influential on my style, and he was a professor at the Cleveland Institute of Music. He was a wonderful pianist. Like I was very timid to play in front of him. I was always so nervous because he was so perfect to me. He was like the best, and he he would. He told me I'm silly. He's like, that's why you're here is to learn. You know, you got to play. But it was so funny. I, I idolized him in a way because he was so brilliant. He was a classical pianist. Okay. Um, he was just brilliant. But after learning a bunch of this and starting to, you know, play, and then I started to do weddings, like for some friends and churches. And then I did uh, some parties. I would start to get high. And this is when I was like 19 or 20. Mm -hmm. I started to get hired for parties. And then... When I was about 22 or 23, I got my first real old music job, a music directing community theater in Cleveland. And I had a really fun time doing that. And I got exposed to Broadway music, which I had never been exposed to. And that was another huge thing for me. Uh, and I thought, you know what? I would like to do this for a living because it's so fun to play music. It, I yeah. love sharing that with people, you know, and having them listen to what I'm playing and, and, and uh, reacting to that and letting me know what they feel about it. And I just thought there was always my passion was music. I, I, I often could just sit in a room and even just put headphones on or whatever and listen to an entire Broadway album, like two hours. I could just sit there and listen to it. Like I don't need any other entertainment. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, like my mom's like, well, I need to see things. She's like, I just can't sit and listen to music. I, I could for hours. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I just loved it. I thought, I, this is what I want to do, you know, for the rest of my life. But, All right. So, so Tom, where and how often do you find yourself performing? I have regular gigs here in Los Angeles. I actually have a restaurant that I play at four times a week. Oh, nice. Which I really love. It's Vitello's Restaurant. It's in Studio City. It's okay. It's in a nice area of town. And uh, though that's the restaurant where I've had two concerts at. Right. Because they have a restaurant downstairs, and then upstairs they have a jazz lounge. It's actually owned by Sheila E. Do you remember Sheila E., the percussionist? 
No. She's like a world famous percussionist. She had a big okay. hit in the eighties. Um, it's called the East spot lounge though. And she owns it, but they book all these different kind of guests there. Uh, and it's all different things from like, for me, like from pianists, they hire, you know, bands, they'll have the comedians come in. It's just a really nice place. So I, but I play in the restaurant area four times a week, which is actually really cool because it gives me a chance to play music for a lot of different people mm -hmm. and they let you sell your albums there. Ooh, so it's there really nice. Exactly. Because I'm trying to promote the star Wars stuff now. And I play a lot of star Wars music when I play out. So, yeah. but I do play there, but most of my stuff, other stuff is, is like private gigs and, and events. Okay. Like that. Yeah. So most of it's private, but I do have that one Vitello's job four times a week and I, I love it. It's fun to play for people. Yeah. What, what nights are you there? I'm there. I'm there Saturday and Sunday brunches because they have a really nice brunch. So Saturday, Sunday brunch, uh -huh. and then I'm there Monday and Tuesday evenings. Now, okay, so you um, you perform four nights a week at. Uh, you said it's Vitello's. Yes, that's the name of the restaurant. Yes. Okay. Okay. So how did you how did you land that gig? You know that this is really interesting. It was a complete fluke that mm -hmm. I landed that. But a lot of times, normally what I do is I, I'll look up restaurants online or, you know, I'll call and say, you know, I'm looking for piano work. Do you have anything? Do you have any openings? Cause my music fits very nicely into that dinner atmosphere. Right. Um, yeah. When I'm out of court, a lot of people don't know that I write all my own music or mostly I, I have a bunch of CDs out and they're all original songs. It's just recently that I've been doing cover music, like the Disney albums I did mm -hmm. and the Star Wars stuff. But when I play out, of course, I play all mostly cover music that everyone can recognize. Mm -hmm. So I play a lot of Disney stuff. I play a lot of movie themes. I do a lot of big band and um, American standard stuff. But I like to mix it up, you know, so that I can kind of reach anyone from any age group. Mm -hmm. and at least play one song that they recognize. Yes. But uh, <laughs> it's always fun because then I'll go into like I'll play um, a big band song and then the next one I'll do Game of Thrones and then I'll play, you know, uh, uh, Green Day. And then I'll go like I go back and forth because I just think it's a lot of fun to do that. OK. But yeah. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> no, that, that's this, good, though. For this restaurant job, it was funny because my parents were in town visiting. And my sister at the time had lived right down the street from the restaurant. And so we were saying, let's go to lunch. <clears throat> so we walked down to, uh, we were going to go to a sandwich place that we didn't realize was closed. They had closed down the sandwich place. Mm -hmm. So then we said, okay, let's try a pizza place, which is, you know, across the way. So we went there and there was a really long line to huh. get in. And it was raining that morning. It was raining that day because they came in January or something. Yeah. So my sister said, what about Vitello's? And we're like, oh, okay, let's just go there. And I had not been in there in years. And I realized when I walked in, they had a piano there in the main uh, restaurant. So I, I, after dinner, I just asked the waitress, can I, you know, can I talk to the manager about piano playing? And she said, sure. So they introduced me to Brad, who's the manager there. And, and he said, I was just the right time at the right place. Cause he said, we were looking for uh, other pianists and can you come in Saturday and audition? And I said, sure. So I came in that Saturday evening and auditioned and then they started, they hired me like for the next week. <laughs> Start play. It was just one of those total fluke things. Wow. Yeah. It was really cool. That's, that's awesome. And you know, the, the really cool thing is, you know, you, you obviously you've been playing piano for, for a while and you know, you, you know, your stuff. And so you were obviously prepared to oh. be able to do that. And I think it's because of that, that you were also able to spot the opportunity and to be able to, you know, even even just asking is a huge step, you know? Yes, you're right. 
because I'm naturally not, I'm not that assertive or aggressive of a person naturally. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's, there are musicians that are far more aggressive than I am and assertive and that can be good or bad. You know what I mean? I, I know that I need to work on being more assertive for things, but yeah, just to do that was like, it was like a step for me. But again, it goes back to the like dream big and you know, mm-hmm. if we can dream it, do it. I want to make money playing piano. You know, that's yeah. where I want to make most of my money. So here was another chance to try and do that. And, and, uh, and luckily for me, it, it worked out, but it, 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 it is a lesson to always ask, you know what I mean? It can't hurt to just ask. Yep. Yeah. And you know, one of my favorite quotes comes to mind and it's a quote by a uh, hockey player, uh, Wayne Gretzky. And mm-hmm. what he said is you miss 100% of the shots that you never yeah. take. Ah, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's, I really like that. <laughs> and that sums up that experience for you. And yeah. you've, you've been at Vitello's for how long now? It's been, it'll be three years, uh, this coming March. Okay. Oh, wow. Dude, congratulations. Thank you. And it's because of Vitello's. Well, I was able to put on those two shows. Yes. Cause I did it upstairs. So that, that's been a really nice opportunity for me. It's been awesome. Okay. So you've actually been at Vitello's for about the same time I've been at the restaurant that I perform at. And I, I'm a, I don't perform as a musician. What I do is I perform tableside sleight of hand. So magic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I'm out at a place in Ventura and I've been there just over three years now. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to so, have to come check you out sometime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to tell you though, magic drives me insane because I always want to know how it's done. It's like, <laughs> how did you do that? How did you do that? So now the, the other thing you said you do is, uh, is private engagements. Um, yes. now do those come kind of organically out of you performing at Vitello's or do you have any kind of, uh, marketing specifically that you do to, to get those coming in? You know, it's a little bit of, of half and half. Some okay. of it, a lot of it is organic actually, because it's word of mouth and people hear you at a party and they take your card. A lot of times people will say, do you have a card? Yes. Uh, Cause I'm having a party and I'd like to hire you, et cetera. So a, a lot of that's organic. Um, and then some of it is like you said, marketing, like I would also go online and look at um, different agencies in Los Angeles, like that do weddings or that do private events. And then mm-hmm. I would try to contact them or send them a sample of my music and say, I'm available for parties and events and weddings. And this is what I do. And this is my, this is what I play, et cetera. And then once in a while you will get that call back, you right. know, to say, we need you for this party. And that's what happened with, I'll tell you the JJ Abrams story, which was unbelievable. Yes. This was another Let's one. Let's hear it. <laughs> it was great. I got a, uh, I got contacted by an agency, which I think I had either submitted something to them or they got my name from someone else. I can't remember exactly. But the woman, Joe, I think her name was Jojo. I, okay. She had called me up. She's the owner of this company. And she said, look, we're having a party. It's like December 18th. It's a private house party, but it's a really fun time. Everyone gets along. The 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 company's great and blah, blah, blah. I said, that sounds great. And so she said, okay, she gave me the house address and said, be here at seven. I said, okay. So I get there and I show up and I met her and I met Chris, who was this other guy that was kind of like in charge of the event. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, a really nice house, you know, and not overdone, but just really tastefully done. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. So I started, I went to the living room to start to play. And it's about 10 minutes or 20 minutes into my playing I see this guy come into the room and it, it's JJ Abrams. And I had known huh. him because I was a huge lost fan. Okay. Like, okay. At the time, huge, you know, 
So he walks in and put something under a tree or whatever and walked out. And I was like, I think that's J.J. Abrams. I thought, And then I thought, I wonder if this is his house. And, of course, they wouldn't tell you before because they don't want you to freak out or yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, but I'm, I'm okay with, like, I'm okay like that. I'm not going to do anything stupid. Right. You're not so, going to get all fangirl or no, anything, right? <laughs> no. Although I was dying inside. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, JD Abrams. So then, uh, about then a half more hour later, Chris came up to me, who was the coordinator of the event. And he said, I just have to tell you something. I said, yeah. He's like, this is JJ Abrams house. And I said, I thought I saw him, you know, and he's like, and he thinks you're fantastic. He really likes you. And I said, wow. I said, I said, Chris, I'm a huge fan of his. I said, should I play the lost theme or would that be stupid? And he's like, no, do it. He'll love it. So I started to play the lost theme, the theme. And he came in and laughed. They were actually, and he was actually, him and his wife were very, very down to earth, very nice people, very accommodating. It was one of those parties where usually when you get hired for private gigs and stuff, they'll feed you, but you just go into a corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. You take a, a 15 minute break, you go to the other room and just eat your food. But when the food came time, it was a buffet style. And when it came time for dinner, Katie, who is JJ's wife, came up to me and said, Tom, we're all taking a break now. You know, dinner is ready. I want you to take a break and come get a big plate and come join us. And I said, okay, thank you. So that's that's the kind of people they are. Like oh, that's wow. the kind of event it was. And it was just really fun. And then I played there a few other times. They hired me once for their uh, Christmas Eve party, mm-hmm. which was just for – I'm thinking for family and friends. It was Christmas Eve. And so I did that as well. But it was just, I mean, a fluke thing that this woman happened to call. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she got my number, but it was somehow with me putting myself out there that – uh that happened. And if you would have told that kid back in Cleveland, you know what I mean? You're going to be playing at JJ Abrams house someday. Like right. I would never have believed you. Oh man. You know, so it was a really, really cool experience. So I'm trying to get him, <laughs> I'm trying to get him a, a copy of the star Wars album. So I'm, I'm trying to get that done. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That, that must've been so surreal. And you know, the, the scene from Wayne's world comes to, to mind where they're <laughs> going back and, you know, behind, um, you know, backstage and they're in there with Alice Cooper and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> here we are backstage hanging out with Alice Cooper, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. <laughs> I don't I know. know if I would have been able to hold it together. <laughs> it was, it was quite an experience. I have to tell you this really quick as well. I, yeah. there's one other time where I met Richard Carpenter. Okay. And that was very hard to keep that in because I grew up, my parents, okay, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but when I was like, I was born in 69. Okay. Okay. So when I was a kid in the seventies, my parents had a car with an eight, eight track player. Now, no one knows what those are now. Yeah, I know what those are. You know, (laughs) yes. But my dad, my parents loved. There's two A tracks they had in the car was Captain and Sunil, and the Carpenters. And so we always listened to the Carpenters. And of course, as I got older, I just I fell in love with her voice because she had such a unique raw talent that was just amazing. And Richard Carpenter was a very accomplished pianist, you Mm -hmm. know, and composer. So when I was working for Jim Brickman one year. He had a PBS special down somewhere down in L.A. at like the PBS studios. And uh, I went with them. He's like, do you want to go with me? Because Richard Carpenter is going to be there. I said, heck, yeah, I want to go. with <laughs> So when we walked in the room. It was so surreal because Richard, when we walked in, we hadn't realized that the PBS special right before mm-hmm. was Ringo Starr from the Beatles. <laughs> so we walk in <laughs> and Ringo Starr is there. And it was just now that's just too surreal for me because that's like living history and the yes. Beatles and you know in college and music history we actually had to study the Beatles for pop music and 
it, that was like too much for me, Chris. I was like, oh my gosh, that is Ringo Starr. But he seemed pretty cool. I mean, I, I didn't go up and say anything to him, though. I just didn't. But I met Richard Carpenter, and I was blown away by Richard Carpenter. Because, yeah. you know, I was a huge fan of the Carpenters. So that was that was a little harder to hold in as well, my little geekdom. You know, like, oh my exactly. gosh. But I know, it oh, can be hard. Man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I can, I can, uh, I can relate. <laughs> oh yes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, I, and I think, I think, uh, if you've been performing for any amount of time, any performer can relate with some story or another, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, I, agree. So, I agree yeah. Too. So I, I wanted to also talk to you about, um, could, could you maybe tell us, uh, talk about how you launch and promote albums that you put out? Okay. It's really, um, it's not really a hard thing to do, but it's just a little time consuming and sometimes a little frustrating because what happens is uh, it's great now because of the mm-hmm. internet and because of all the technology, any musician can put out their own work now, which is really cool. Yes. Um, for the Disney albums, of course, and for the star Wars, I had to get approval from Disney because these were not Disney sanctioned. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like this was myself as an artist right. um, doing them. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's and, and that's fine. But what happens is when you do that, you're not allowed to use any likeness, you know, any imaging. You can't use Disney, you can't use Disney picture, like nothing, which is fine. Uh, but the thing is, they have to approve it all before it goes into production. Like they just have to approve it. Mm-hmm. And so I go to Disney and I get the licensing for the songs, and you order, you know, an X amount of downloads, and then you pay because I'm all into that because I really do feel. An artist should get paid for their music. You know, like right. the people that wrote these songs are, they need to get paid. Because I did a lot of uh, Epcot stuff, you know, and Sherman Brothers. And I have such respect for these musicians. Uh, so basically, you just get the rights to do it. And then I recorded the the music and I edited it myself and, you know, produced it myself, which was okay. And then uh, I worked through an organization or a, um, a company called CD Baby which does all independent artists like uploading and producing albums. Mm -hmm. And what you do is once you have your album done, you upload it to them and any artwork, like for the star Wars stuff I had and the Disney album covers, I hired a graphic designer Mm -hmm. to do those because I I don't have that talent at all. So I hired them to do that, but then you put all the stuff up on the CD, CD baby and then you pay them a fee, but then they're the ones that kind of act like you're, I guess record label because then they distribute all those digital downloads to Amazon and iTunes and oh okay Google. so they do all that and then they will collect sales royalties for you okay so they keep it they're keeping track of all the sales and then they'll send you a check they take out just a little bit you know I yeah. can't remember how much but iTunes gets a cut and they get a cut and then you get the rest but they do all that for you so it's really nice oh, that's perfect. Um, it's very cool. The only frustrating thing sometimes is like for the Star Wars album, mm-hmm. uh, it's still, it, I thought it had to get approved by Disney, but my contact at Disney said, we actually have to send this to Lucasfilm because they still need to, pro-. I said, oh, okay. So, but that could oh. take like months. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I said, no, my album, I said, I got to do it in two weeks or whatever. But my, my Disney contact really came through for me. Yeah. And he said, okay, you're good to go. But that's basically the procedure. You got to do the, do the project and uh, put it together yourself and then get it out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So CD baby actually syndicates all of that out to iTunes and, and yes. Amazon and all the other places. So you really just have to square it away with one place. Right. Exactly. Oh, and as long as awesome. you get, 
yeah, and this, you, as you, if you're doing cover music, you just need to make sure you get the licensing. Uh-huh. And that's different than CD Baby. That's where you have to go to whoever owns the songs. Uh, now, for the Disney music, it wasn't a big deal because they own all that music. Uh, right, but the for, George Lucas, Lucas right, stuff, yeah. Star Wars stuff, I thought Disney owned it, but they don't own the uh, the music to Star Wars. It's still huh. with uh, Lucasfilm and Harry Fox Agency, which is like a, a publishing agency. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to them and request, but it's all online. I mean, everything's on the internet. and yeah. You just fill out the forms and you have to pay the fees and they give you the the rights to use them. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you're doing your own music, the stuff that you write, it's even easier because you don't have to do any of those steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just got to record the stuff and then, you know, create a package with iTunes and get it up or with a CD baby and you're good to go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, after you've done all that, how do you get the word out about your albums? That's another good question because that's most of the battles then making sure how do you get people to know that this music is available? I was very, very lucky in the beginning. Uh, trying to think when I did before I did my Disney music, I did that. I did a sampler album called uh, solo piano moments and it just had three songs by Disney and then three songs. We call them the diva tracks because they were like Lady Gaga and Madonna and stuff. But the okay. other tracks were my first Disney tracks. Like I did um, uh, World of Color, Fantasmic, mm-hmm. and Golden Dreams. And those were I the love sam- those. Oh, they're so – Golden Dreams <laughs> is just – I know. Yep. I'm with you. So I recorded those, and I thought, well, how am I going to get these out? I said, well, let's try to see if, if any podcasts will – play the music or just play it underneath and give me a plug or something. Mm-hmm. So the first podcast I ever contacted was uh, Ricky Berganti's inside the magic. Okay. And he's based in Orlando, Florida and he has a really nice podcast. So I emailed him and sent him a, a sample of, I think it was golden dreams if I'm not mistaken, but uh, I said, you know, I'm doing this album, this project. I would love to get the word out to some Disney fans. I said, would it be possible if you could just play like a little clip or play it underneath your you know, as you talk about it and give a link to the website and he really liked the music. So he played the whole song. Like it's an entirety mm-hmm. in its entirety. Like he didn't talk about, uh, um, on top of it. He just said, I'm going to play this song. This is by this guy, Tom Lamine. I really like it. Here it is. And then he gave the links after to mm-hmm. where people could buy. It. And that's what started it all because, because of his, uh, publicity, people knew to go to iTunes to download it. Yeah. Now, once that happened, and I and we had such a good response from my response from it, that's when I thought, let's do a whole album of Disney songs. And I ended up doing three, but I always brought them to his podcast first. And then through that, I asked, you know, do you know of any other podcasts? And he gave me some names. And I just started to contact podcasts and see if they would have me. Okay. You wow. Know? And that's how that all started. All right. And I owe it all, Chris, mm. I have to tell you, I owe it all to the Disney the Disney fans because like two of those Disney albums made the billboard top 10 new age charts. That's cool. It was, was amazing. And that's only because people bought it. I mean, I, I owe all of that to, to people that bought the music. So mm-hmm. I can't thank them enough. It's just so awesome that, that the support for this is so good. You know, it's amazing, but yeah, it was all through those podcasts that that happened. Wow. And it's, yeah. it's all just the, the raw power of the internet basically. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I, I agree. I think it's that and word of mouth because I think word of mouth is still one of the most, I think, powerful forms of uh, advertising, mm-hmm. you know, because if people like something, 
whether it's music or a doctor or a service, they tell their friends about it. Yeah. Say, I love this service. You have to check it out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have to tell you, if it weren't uh, for Randy Crane at the uh, Stories mm. of the Magic podcast, I would have never heard of you and you wouldn't be on this show. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing how that works <laughs> out, isn't it? It is. It's It's so cool. And, you know, to not to have a pun here, but I mean, the world really is a lot smaller with the internet. It really you is, know? Chris. And it's, it it's so just is. amazing what you could do these days. I know it's amazing. I love podcasts. I mean, I love listening to them. I I've, I've enjoyed being interviewed on them. Mm-hmm. I love podcasts. I think they're such a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what, one of the other things that I read on your, on your website, and I, I think I'd be remiss if the, the, the geek in me would be remiss if I didn't <laughs> ask this, but I'm a, I'm a huge uh, video game fan as well. You know, growing up on games from Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and Sega Genesis, I was wondering if you have any plans on doing any video game albums. That would be amazing because I love games. Mm-hmm. And I there love... is some amazing music on those too. Oh my gosh. Well, now a lot of the games have actual, you know, like Hans Zimmer and stuff yep. doing things for video games. Oh yeah. It's amazing. But I, a video game album, I think would be a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. I know. And I used to play all the same things too, like the Nintendo, the Mario brothers, right. Uh, the Zelda, all that stuff I played. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I play mostly Xbox games now, but I do. Okay. But I also love board games. And one of my favorite games of all time is Backgammon. Oh, the, nice. The classic board game Backgammon yeah. is so fun to play. I haven't yeah. played that in such a long time. I'll, I think I think we have a, a set also. I'll have to break that out. <laughs> it's a great, great game. But yeah, all those old games. Can you? Imagine, it would be interesting to hear Mario's theme on a piano. You mm-hmm. just see like what 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 could I do with that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, just the way you have a, a certain way of taking recognizable themes and just like tweaking them a little bit to to put your spin on it. You know what I mean? Well, thank you, Chris. I love that's what I love to do the most because when I'm doing someone else's music, what I like to do is I try so hard as much to retain the the magic and the authenticity of that original piece. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the melody, like to pay respect to it. Yeah. But then of course, just put my spin on it because all that's all musicians want to do that. If yep. they're covering a song, you, of course you want to put your own spin on it. Uh, so I like to do that in a way that you could tell I'm doing something different, but it gives you that same kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, and, that's what I strive to do anyway. Yeah. And you know, oftentimes when people do that, it feels off. You know what I'm talking right, about? Right. And so it has to be done right. I agree. And I, I think you nail it. So <laughs> Thank you so much. I Absolutely. really appreciate that. That's awesome. Thank you. Are your gigs and customers a pain to manage? If you said yes, then you haven't visited manageyourgigs.com yet. This online solution was made by a professional entertainer to eliminate the frustration that comes with generic CRM tools. This one was made for us. For a low monthly fee, you can keep track of all of your customers and gigs online with nothing to install. So stop managing your gigs with spreadsheets or paper and start doing it the way that the pros do it. So visit manageyourgigs.com today and sign up for your free seven-day trial. Now, let's get back to that interview. 
So I, I think now would be a great time for you to tell us about your latest album, Journey to the Stars. Um, I'm going to be playing uh, at the end of this podcast, Princess Leia's theme. But yes. um, t- tell us, tell us about that. Well, you know, I was a big Star Wars uh, junkie growing up. I loved, you know, I was eight years old when I saw the first Star Wars film, episode mm-hmm. four, uh, in a crowded, crowded movie theater way back in 1977. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, I remember vi- uh, vividly, like, the words crawl, you know, at the beginning, and then yep. the big Imperial cruiser chasing after the ship. I just, we had, no one had ever really seen anything like that before, I don't think. You know, it was just this new, fresh wonderful story and i fell in love with the the music of course later on and then but the stories i loved so i always had a soft spot for star wars and then when the new this recent movie that jj abrams is directing when it was coming when we started hearing rumors that it was coming and they're doing this new movie mm-hmm. i i thought to myself back then like i sh- i would love to do a star wars album because i love that music is so influential in my life um and i thought but can i do this on a piano you know, John Williams' music is so inspired, and it's so big. You know what I mean? It's it's just it's wonderful stuff. And I thought, would this sound? You know, is it going to sound dumb on a piano? Is it going to be nice? Is it going to be enough? Or is it going to be how? How is it going to sound? I said, but you know, what? let's yeah. try it again. Going back to that, if I can dream it, I guess I can do it. You know, like mm-hmm. I really think this could work. And so I just started working on the arrangements and, and picking the main themes that I wanted. And uh, that's how that all came to be. And it's something I've always wanted to do because I love, love Star Wars. Right. I love it. So I'm so glad that it's finally here. <laughs> and it's, I, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> oh, gosh, I can't. You know, the movie is just millions of people around the world are so excited, and myself included. I mean, yeah. I'm in that. But it was just so neat to think like okay this is my little contribution to this world you know Mm -hmm. these are solo piano arrangements of the beloved themes that i love as well as so many people around the world and let's see what people think about it yeah yep now there's also an original track on there as well that you've created could you uh take a moment and just tell us about that track as well sure i wanted to do an original song because like i i said before i do write a lot of original music mm-hmm. and I wanted to take, uh, take a chance and, and try doing an original song for star Wars to say, what would it sound like if I did something, you know, mm-hmm. now granted, please, I'm not putting myself on the same pedestal as John Williams. <laughs> I am not sure, but I thought, let's just see, what would I contribute? You know, what, what would I, what would I create that would be influenced by this universe? And so I wanted to put an original song on there just to put my little stamp on it, you know, say yeah. this is my, and, uh, <laughs> So my cat says hello. By the way, my my cat Bobby loves to crash. Podcasts, <laughs> it so. wouldn't be complete without him. <laughs> no, he's he loves the attention. But oh, yeah. uh, so I wanted to do an original song and put it on there and just say, you know, this is what this is what Star Wars makes me feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean inside. And I wanted it to be a love theme that two characters could, uh, you know, be falling in love with, or maybe they're separated and they're they're thinking of each other across, you know a universe or et cetera. So that's how that song came to be. And I thought it'd be great to name the, name it after the album journey mm-hmm. to the stars. So that's how that, that whole song came to be. All right, cool. Now we're, we are also going to be giving away an autographed copy of journey to the stars to one of the listeners uh, here uh, to the show. And all you have to do to be considered um, to be put in the, uh, 
in the the lottery per se is to comment on the show notes uh, for this episode, and that will be at successfulperformercast.com slash Tom Amin, and that's T-O-M-A-M-E-E-N. And uh, so when you comment, what I want you to do is I want you to think about if you could have a droid and it could do anything in the world, what would that droid do? And what would you call it? So two things. What would your droid do and what would its name be? Uh, leave that in the comments for this show, uh, for the show, uh, the show notes for this episode. And, uh, after two weeks, um, uh, I will pick a, a winner from those comments. So, and we'll get the, uh, the CD out to you guys. <clears throat> yes. I can't, I want to read some of these. I can't wait. You know, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what, uh, what, you know, some of my, my listeners will put. Uh, so, hey, you know, we, we could pick something together here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we're, we're approaching the end of the show here. And, um, there's a, a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests. And the first one is, uh, about a moment of failure. And I'm sure you see moments of failure as learning experiences, but I was hoping that you could give us one specific example, one specific moment of one of your learning moments and what you took away from it. That's a really good question. Wow. Cause there's been several in my life, mm -hmm. but trying to think um, one of the one of the failures that I had in my life was without getting too really deep about it but not pursuing what I originally thought what I thought I should really be doing okay in term basically the music because I went through a period where the music was a big struggle and it was hard to make money you know and I still I'm, I'm a I'm an independent artist. You know what I mean? Like I'm not rolling in money or anything like that. Right. I do this because I love to do it. And I'm trying to get to the next levels to make, you know, to support myself fully on it. But, uh, but there was a time where I just kind of gave up on it. I just kind of felt like I don't need this anymore or whatever. And I went and got a different kind of job mm. where I was sitting in front of a computer all day long. And I was really good at it because I, I, I don't know if it's the piano hands, but the keyboard, you know what I mean? Right. But I could type really fast and, and all that kind of stuff. But I ended up being so miserable because I was not doing what my dream was. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I considered that part of my life a failure because I, I stopped listening to what my heart was telling me to do in my yeah. mind to say, you know, you really need to be, you're a creative person and you need to be creating music. That's what you do. I totally ignored that for, for a few years, actually, Chris. And I got very depressed about it. It was not a good, I was, it was bad. So when I finally acknowledged that, okay, look, I'm not this, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Mm -hmm. And I started to get back into the playing and stuff. That's when everything started to change mm, again. Yeah. So I consider that that's one of my big failures in life was just saying, you know, I give up on this music stuff. I, it's just too much. How long was that period in your life? It was like, I'd say it was like three to five years. I mean, it was, it was a good chunk of time. It was a really good, it was like my mid thirties and stuff. Okay. It, was, it was just a good chunk of time. And I just was, I disillusioned, you know, and didn't want to do music, but I felt, you know, what else can I do? I'll try to do this job instead. And it just didn't work. Yeah. What kind so, of a desk job was it? I had, well, I've had a couple of very interesting desk jobs. One was, I was, a I wrote, uh, scripts for John Tesh's radio show at one point. For, for I, sorry, for who? Uh, for John Tesh. Oh, okay. For his, uh, 
can't remember the name of his uh, radio show, but it was a hard job. I mean, they crank out a lot of material. So it was very hands-on, very quick, a lot of learning how to write like he talks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I did that for about three or four months. And then I did a lot of stuff with Jim Brickman. I did some musical stuff with him, but I did a lot of um, promotional work for him, like getting yeah. him, like selling tickets for his concert, calling radio stations all over the country to get promotions and ticket trading. And I did a bunch of that stuff as well. Okay. Um, and I was good at it. I mean, I was good at it, but it just wasn't what I was meant to be doing, you know? Mm. And eventually that took a big toll on me. Wow. Yeah, I, so. I bet. And I mean, three years too, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's certainly enough time for, for that kind of thing to take root, you know? I know. Yeah. I, I hear you uh, totally. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that was one of my big failures. So I would, I mean, any suggestion that I make to people is, you know, just keep pursuing what you, what you do, you know, yeah. what you want to do. I mean, of course we all need to be logical about it and, and put some thought into the plan, mm-hmm. uh, to, the, to, you know, I mean, life really lets us, you know, go yeah. with the plans we create, but a bit, it's nice to have some kind of game plan, but just keep pursuing it and get people around you in your life that will support you doing that. Mm-hmm. Very important. Yep. So on the other side of the spectrum, what is your favorite success? I have to say it was, first of all, to, to get on the billboard top 10 was like unbelievable to me. And uh, the new age, I mean, I was up there with Jim Brickman and the piano guys. Mm. I think I was number nine and uh, two albums got up there and I was so, I, that made me so happy. I was so excited because that means people were liking the music, you know? So I said, that's one of my biggest successes so far is that. And then I would have to say, um, putting out these albums, like the star Wars album, this is, this is a dream I've had for a long time. Mm -hmm. So this album is really important to me and I'm so glad that it's out. And, uh, I'm glad that I kept fighting to, to get it out. You know what I mean? Not, well, not fighting, but I kept persisting and pursuing it to, to, uh, make sure this happened. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Cool. Cool. Awesome. That's, that's, that's great. Um, so the, we're, we're actually, uh, here at the end portion of the show here, and this is kind of a lightning round of sorts and, um, basically a place where I have you make just different recommendations. And the first thing I'd like you to do is to recommend one resource that you always use to our listeners. And this could be anything from an iPhone app to something, you know, like, a prop list for a show or something like that, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. There's, there's a couple things I always go to the first one. Um, well, hold on. Let me see. I want to make sure I get this correct mm-hmm. <laughs> because I do like to read a lot of news. Right. Uh, and all different kinds of subjects like, like world news and American news and tech news and music news. So one of my go-to apps is always, uh, an RSS reader. And I don't okay. know if many people know what that is, but it just kind of create, it kind of grabs all the headlines from different websites mm-hmm. and puts them into a little app for me that I can read on the go. Like if I'm waiting in a doctor's office or in the morning, you know, as I'm eating breakfast, I can just launch this app. And just read the news. So I, I really like that a lot. Okay. So it's, it, it's any RSS reader will do. Yeah. Um, that's one of my, my go-to things I love. And I also love my other go-to is the Disney Park blogs page. Oh, yeah? 
that it's you know they do this Disney blog page. It's from Disney, and it's really cool because they have all these behind the scenes of Disney stuff, and they'll they'll put wallpaper up for you to download for the holidays, and it's a really cool way to keep up with what's going on at Disney. Oh, and it's cool. just called the Disney Parks blog. It's really cool. I love that like, that website. Huh. I'm going to have to check that out. You know, funny thing is, I bet you my wife already knows about that and has <laughs> been like going to those blog the, those uh those blogs for years, so. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It, it's funny because oftentimes I'll come up with something and say, "Hey babe, have you heard about this?" and she'll say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I, I know about that. <laughs> I've been reading that for years." <laughs> It's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm all excited because it's new to me, you know? That, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. So the, the Disney Parks blogs, basically. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, it's an official Disney thing. It's really fun. Okay, cool, cool. The uh, second thing I'd like you to do is to recommend two books, one of them performance-specific, if you have anything like that, and then one outside the performance realm, like a business or a self-development book. Oh, my gosh. This might be a little challenge for me because the <laughs> most stuff I read are novels. I'm trying to think. Mm. What was the last? Oh, man. Chris, you got me stumped on this one. <laughs> I can't. I'm trying to think. I don't really know because the last stuff I read was like I read a book called The Story of Edgar Santel, but that was uh -huh. a novel. Uh, and I'm reading a book now called How to Race in the Rain. It's like a uh, oh, The Art of Racing in the Rain. It's a dog book. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and then the last, and the last thing I read was a uh, Homer's Odyssey, which is a book about a blind cat. There you go. Really cool. So I'm so sorry. I don't oh, have no, that's any, okay. I can't think of any <clears throat> of those books that I've read lately. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't really know. I'm so sorry. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, the, the books you did mention, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put those up too, because, you know, oftentimes, um, I will personally get tired of, of reading, you know, things on business or whatever, uh -huh. and I have to take a little reprieve, you know, and some of my Got favorite it. authors are Michael Crichton. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I've read a bunch of his books and lately I've been reading some Stephen King books, you know? Yeah. He's got, I know. So, I've read several of his too. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. But if you, if you own cats, I'm read Homer's Odyssey. Okay. It's the story of a blind cat. It's wonderful. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Good times, right. and I'll, I'll put that up on the show notes. Uh, quick, uh, quick note to our listeners: these uh, resources, uh, links to them, will be provided in the show notes. And uh, I'll say this again: you can find the show notes at successfulperformercast.com/slash Tom Amin. Now, Tom, I'd like you to do one more thing for us, and that's give a piece of parting advice to our listeners, and then uh, tell us where we can find you online um, and where we can find your albums. Awesome. My my biggest advice I would say, based on my experience, again, when we talked about the the failure period of my life and uh, really not pursuing what I want to do was mm -hmm. don't be afraid. Well, it's hard when people say don't be afraid, but everyone has that fear. I have that fear. Yeah. Uh, but I would say use that fear and go do what you want to do. You know, surround yourself with some people that care about you and that support the dream that you're after. Mm -hmm. And then try to make that dream happen and also realize too, is that was hard for me to learn in the beginning as well. But a lot of the time it's really baby steps mm -hmm. that get you there. It's a little step here and then a little step there and a step there. It's not, you know, in two months I'm going to be at this level for me. That didn't, that doesn't happen. But right. So I would say just, you know, to take it, um, you know, take it a day at a time, be patient, but go for the dreams that you want. You know, yeah. I get, we're only yeah. around here. We're only here once. So, yep. you know, go for it. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, where can we find you online and, and your albums? They ha- My website, TomAminMusic.com, mm-hmm. has samples of all the albums I have. It's got links on the music page where you can uh, link. It has links to iTunes and all that kind of good stuff. So all my music could be found on iTunes and Google Play Store and mm-hmm. Amazon. And if you want a physical CDs of the new Star Wars album, they're available at CD Baby. And again, that link is on my uh, website, TomAminMusic.com. Awesome. And do you also have links on there to where we can find you on like the social networks and stuff? Yes. Yeah. I have links on Twitter, Facebook. I think my Instagram's up there. I'm not sure, but I don't use Instagram Mm. as much as I should. Right. Uh, But I love Twitter. I'm partial to Twitter. I love Twitter. And then a friend of mine just got me hooked on Instagram or not Instagram, uh, Snapchat. Oh, (laughs) but and so, okay. I'm, I'm on there as the real Tom Amin, but I haven't done that much with it yet, but I'm just starting to learn it. But yeah, the social media stuff is on my website as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what you might consider doing since uh-huh. uh, since you started uh, um, with uh, with your last concert, you had your manager have your phone and, and go on Periscope. Yes. Um, I don't know how often you, you play at home, but, you know, you might jump on Periscope and, and you know, play some uh, play some music and stuff for for people on Periscope, you know? That's a good idea. That's a really cool so. idea. There's a number of people doing that. Yeah, I need to start doing more Periscope. I think you're right. That's still kind of new to me as well. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right. That's a good idea. I I bet that would would be huge for helping you to build your following even bigger. I think you're right. I think it's a good (laughs) idea. I like that. All right. Tom Amin, you've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I really appreciate appreciate it. It's been a great time. Oh, man, I agree. Thank <laughs> you.
All right. What a fun interview. Can you believe he's done a number of gigs for J.J. Abrams? I wonder what J.J. thinks of Tom's new album. I hope you guys liked that song. The rest of the tracks on his new album are equally awesome, and you should do yourself a favor and check it out. And don't forget to enter the contest by commenting at the bottom of the show notes page. I also wanted to give a couple of shout-outs to some people who have reached out to me uh, during this week. And if I mess up your name, please accept my deepest apologies. Adam Gertzikov, I'm glad that you're finding value in these interviews. Thank you for your kind words. Don Sh- uh, Don Shokow, uh, I really enjoyed uh, reading your email, and I'm glad that you're starting to get your performing legs about you again. So keep me up to speed on how things are going with that. And Matt Becker, I absolutely had a blast hanging out with you and, and jamming last week. We definitely have to do that again soon. So, uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Oh, and uh, I have your Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) All right. And finally, if you're getting a lot of value from these interviews and are looking for a way to help support the show, I'd encourage you to take a look at and support us on Patreon, which is basically a place where people can partner with and support the artists and creators that they love. Essentially, what happens is that for each episode I put out, you would pledge a small amount of money, even as small as 25 cents. Now, you don't just get the warm feelings of supporting your favorite podcast, but I've also put in place some fun incentives for supporters at different levels, like shout outs on the show, secret words, exclusive Saturday morning Google Hangouts. And in addition to this, Patreon supporters at all levels will have access to the uncut episodes. And in most cases, we'll have these a few days before the episode is officially released. Now, oftentimes these uncut episodes will have exclusive content that is cut from the final episodes in order to bring them down to an hour long. So if this is something that you find interesting or would like to find out more about, visit SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash Patreon, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Finally, thank you guys for listening. You can reach me at KS at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com, or you can look me up on Facebook or Twitter. And if you guys drop me a line, uh, I might give you guys a shout out at the end of the show as well. So, hey, thank you guys for all of your support. I appreciate each and every one of you guys, and I will see you next week. Take care.